Hey, grab your Bibles if you would. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going. And I want to say a special thanks to uh, former staff member Jason Brooks. He came up with it already. Fillets for fathers. Fillets for fathers. Steak and eggs on that morning, ladies and gentlemen. Well, hey, I don't know if you've ever heard the story before, but the story goes like this, and that there was a dude, an older guy, who was out ice fishing. So he's ice fishing, he went, went out, uh, uh, out on the ice, and he, he dug his little hole there, <laughs> and he dropped a line, and he's fishing away. And he's enjoying it overall, just because part of fishing, of course, is just being out in the open in the, and just relaxing and sitting on his little stool thing. And he's, he's not catching anything. An hour goes by, he's not catching anything. And then there's this young guy, yeah, this young guy. He comes up about uh, maybe 20, 30 feet from the old guy. Hello, hello. But he sets up over there, and he digs his little hole, and he drops a line down in there. And no sooner did he drop the line... He pulls out one of the biggest bass you've ever seen. Now, this thing was just huge fish, all right? And, and it, it kept happening. Over the next 20 minutes, he pulled out almost 20 fish, one after another, after another, after another. And finally, the old guy's sitting there watching this, still haven't caught anything. He's, he's frustrated. He's like, who's this young guy showing me up? Who, who does he think? I, and so finally, he just said, I'm just going to ask. Hey, hey, fella, let me ask you a question. How are you catching all these fish? And the young guy just looked up on him and said, And the old guy was like, what? The young guy said, And finally the old guy had enough. He's like, I'm not going to mess around with this. He turned to the young guy and said, listen, I can't understand a word you're saying. The young guy spit everything out of his mouth. you got to keep the worms warm. <laughs> I just want to just introduce you again to the topic. Take your stand. But here's, here's that kind of how it kind of fits. I just thought it was too great of a story, so let me just fit it in somehow. But here, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You got to be prepared. If you're going to win the battle, whether it's catching a, a bass or whether it's catching a uh, 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 pushing back the enemy, the devil, you've got to be prepared. You've got to be ready to take on the enemy, to be prepared to do what it is you've got to do to win. Am I right? And so that's what we started talking about last week. That there is a battle going on for our souls. There is a battle that's going on for our marriages. There's a battle going on for our kids, and it's critical we understand what God is saying to us this morning. There is a devil, Satan. He is real. This is not a game. This is not some little imaginary figure. He is real. In fact, John 10.10 says it this way. It says the thief, the enemy, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't come just to try to put us a little bit off course. Or I'm just, he's just going to come mess around with us. No, he, he wants to all out steal your joy, steal your marriage, steal your kids away from the kingdom of God. He's come to take you out. 
He's fighting against God's forces, God's plan, God's work. You know, his strategy, in a sense, is to get to God through you. Satan is on a mission to destroy. Whether we're aware of it or not, it is real and it is happening. To ignore it is not the route to go. Acknowledging it and, and um, uh, embracing it and taking it on, that's the place to be. Whew. Thanks, God. I feel a lot better today knowing all that. I, I came to church to be encouraged. That's real encouraging. The devil's coming after me. Thanks. Well, you know I wouldn't give you all the bad news if I, w- I wasn't prepared to give you the good news. The good news is um, I'm not trying to scare you. And I'm not trying to get you to the point where, like, you see a, a devil behind every corner, you know? It's like you're on, on the way home with the kids in the minivan. Kids, there's a devil in the backseat. No, 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 no. I, I, I do think that, that there is a definite demonic activity. I think for some reason it seems more evident in uh, foreign countries. Like when we've spent time in Haiti and, and other things, it seems like... It, it, we, it seems more visible, but I, I believe the same amount of demonic activity is happening here in the United States. It's just masked better. And, and sometimes we even medicate it better. When we ought to cast demons out and cast devils out, we, we give medicines at times. And I, and I think, um, and I, again, I'm not saying I'm against medicines. I'm just saying there is more demonic activity happening in our nation than what we recognize because it, it, it comes across as an angel of light, right? I mean, it comes across as, well, that's not really that bad, and it just slowly pulls us the wrong direction. Listen, uh, uh, when you chose Christ, just know this, you chose a battle. The moment you gave your life to Christ, you chose to go against the flow of culture, the flow against um, uh, what the culture would say and do And Scripture says that we need to be strong in the Lord, to stand firm, that if God is for us, who can be against us? Scripture says we are more than conquerors, not through your own might, your own strength, but through Christ. Through through Christ, that's where our power is. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You don't have to fear or dread what the devil might do, but you need to be prepared, and that's why we're talking about this today. I told you last week I had a whole other series I wanted to talk about, and we'll probably get to that eventually. But I knew that we had to go to this uh, just last week. I just knew we had to talk about this. For whatever reason, there's a call right now that God has on this church and on us. It is not time to shrink back. It's time to take our stand. I'm not just talking politically. I'm talking kingdom-wise, word of God, power of God, standing on the word of God, standing on truth. It's time we take our stand. If there's ever a time to take a stand, it's now or we're going to wish we had It's time to take our stand. There is a devil. Yes, there is. He is going to attack you. Yes, he is. But let me tell you, you don't have to to be afraid. You don't need to be fearful. And and here's, here's what we must do. There is a plan to guard your kids. There is a plan. And let me just hit that real quick. Because I know some of you, I've 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 heard it. There's some of you are like, man, I don't even know if I want to bring kids into this world. Can I just encourage you? That your kids are here for such a time as this. I understand what you're saying. I completely understand it. But I just want to tell you that 
uh, God's going to empower your kids. He will fill your kids with the Holy Spirit. You lead them to Jesus. You get them empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you watch how God uses them. It'll be different for them than maybe it was for us, but, but don't let that hold you back from accomplishing what the Lord has for you and your family. God will protect you. There is a plan to guard your kids, to guard your family, to guard your future, and it's called putting on the full armor of God. In fact, that's the way that Paul illustrated it. When we talk about the full armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6, we're really talking about just a really cool, great illustration that Paul happened to. How did Paul run across this? Well, it's very likely that when Paul wrote this letter to the um, church of Ephesus, he was writing it while he was in prison in Rome. Very likely he was even chained to a Roman guard who was in uh, uh, full armor. <laughs> I mean, can you just imagine that? As Paul's penning these words, he's like, well, yeah, it's kind of like put on your belt of truth. Yeah, and your helmet of salvation. Let's see. Oh, those feet uh, fitted with the red gospel of peace. I mean, as he's talking through the full armor, it's very likely he is, he is right there with a, with a soldier. In fact, let's take a look then. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Follow along. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Stand firm. Stand firm. You know, I, I think it's there's three times in verse uh, 11, verse 13, and, and now in verse uh, 14, it says, Stand firm. Now's not the time for limp-wristed Christianity. Now's not the time for mamby-pamby, wimpy Christianity. I'm not saying that we need to be uh, um, uh, jerks about it, but we need to stand on what we know to be truth. Uh, wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We need to be willing, even if it means that there are people in our community that will turn on us and think we're one of them. Let's be willing to go there because we want to be one of them if one of them is the ones who stand before God and hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's our goal. Our plan, our desire is not here. It's not to, it's not to please man. Our desire has got to be to stand before God and please the Lord and please God. We've got to be willing to take our stand. This doesn't mean we, we go looking for a fight as, as much, but it, it, brings when the, it means when the devil brings one on, we, we say, bring it on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Come on. Because I know... I know who I am in Christ. I know that all authority has been given to my God, not to you. I know he's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, King Jimmy version says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. I told you last week, let me just remind you how the enemy often works. And we even see it when he was, he was tempting Jesus in Luke chapter 4. You can go back and watch as in Luke chapter 4 as, as the, uh, Satan was tempting Jesus. And then when he got all through all those temptations, and of course Jesus didn't give in. But when he got all the way through all of that, 
It says in Luke 4.13, let me just read this for you. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Let me tell you what will happen. Is there are times when you're going to sense the attack of the enemy. It's going to come against you through sickness, maybe through doubt, uh, maybe through stress, whatever it is. He's going to do everything he can to take you down, take you out. But then there's also times where he's going to lay off. He's going to lay off. And that's what we see throughout Scripture is the way the enemy works. It's kind of like that. That's the way it worked for Jesus. That's the way it works for us. Let's be ready, though. Let's understand. We're going we're gonna to stand because the one who, who is in us is greater. And let's be a church that stands. Let's be families that stand. Let's be men and women of God who, who are leading our community leading our county, leading our state, and uh, might I say leading our nation. What if out of, this, out of this church, what if we could birth pastors and apostles and evangelists and, and missionaries out of this church? I believe it's already happening and it's, it's going to happen. But what if we could, uh, we could launch out of this church, we could launch, uh, we could launch governors and, and, and uh, congressmen and women. And, and what if out of this, people who are going to end up being in places of, of high leadership to make some calls, that, that what if out of this church, we could have people that are in, in the business sectors and in the, in the education fields and, and the news companies and, 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 and uh, dare I say, even in Hollywood. <laughs> Can that even be redeemed? With God, all things are possible. But what if, what if we had? I mean, just watch The Chosen and see how the Lord's using that, um, that, that uh, program. Think, what if some of you, God could use some of you to impact culture, not just Christian culture, but impact culture through the arts? What if we had that? Well, it's not going to come without a battle. There's going to be a battle. And we have to learn as we go, we've got to take the cross with us. We've got to stand for truth. And that's where we get to verse 14 where it says, okay, you need to put on what? The belt. Put on the belt. The belt of truth. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14. I'm going to read it in the King James Version. In fact, look at this on the screen. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Your loins girt about with truth. Now, when, when a guy my age that is, is like me, when I think about a belt, I think util, util, it's something that helps. It's utilitarian, whatever that word is there. Yeah, yeah, it's a good utility. Um, I'm thinking something that's going to keep my pants up, right? When I think of a belt, when you read that, you probably think, oh, yeah, I'm going to put my belt on. Ladies, for most of you, you think ensemble. Does this match, you know? Does this fit my, my whole outfit? And it's a little less about keeping your pants up for like us fellas. It's more about, does this look good? But can I tell you, the Apostle Paul had neither of those in mind when he was saying, put on the belt of truth. Put on the belt. Put on the belt. It, it was more like a girdle. A girdle. It was more like something that, that would hold all the... Was, often it was about six inches uh, 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 deep, if you will, uh, tall. And it was something that would hold everything else in place. You put that on first. And then you got somewhere you can, you can connect the different pieces of your armor. You put that on first. And you got somewhere you can put your, your sword or your sheath or whatever it may be to, to, to put your, your knife or whatever it is. You can hang it off of there because that is there. It's, it, 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 as you think about that belt, um, just let that sink in for a minute. It's less about the practical need of keeping the pants up, 
or finishing up an ensemble. It's more like a girdle that keeps everything in its place. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. So, I mean, when I say the word girdle, you wonder where I'm going. But let me just tell you, I'm going somewhere. Another way of saying it would be this. The belt was, first of all, an item to help keep things all together. The belt was the first thing Paul mentioned because it was the foundational garment, the foundational piece of the armor. The belt was something from which things like the sword, the dagger, or any other number of things could could, uh, be kept at a place to be readily used. In fact, the belt was even something that, that they could take their cloak and tuck it in their belt so they could then run towards the battle. They could run in battle. Finally, as we think about the belt, it was an item of support. That's why I brought in the King James Version. As you think about your loins, <laughs> I know you may not have studied this, but here's the deal. Your loins, when they talked about this, it was mostly your, your lower back. Now, when you start thinking about the commands that Paul's thrown out here, take your stand, stand. Have you ever tried to stand when your lower back is hurting? It's like put on the belt and cinch up. Let that support your lower back so that you can stand. Some of you might remember a year ago even, I was struggling with uh, lower back issues. How about that? And if you don't remember, there were several months. I'm talking months here. The guy who loves to roam around the stage was stuck sitting in a chair. Boo-hoo, poor me, right? I was preaching from a chair Sunday after Sunday after Sunday because I'd hurt my back and I was I, uh, but thanks to OSMC and, uh, and some prayer and uh, heating pads and all that kind of fun stuff, stretching. Um, by the time COVID hit, I was pretty good. <laughs> then we didn't have church, but um, no, <laughs> it was all online. But, um, but yeah, you know, but do you remember that? I could, I could barely stand up. I had a hard time standing for any length of time. I couldn't even go on a walk. I'm not looking for your sympathy. I'm just saying, I want you to understand this. The belt that he's talking about, girding your loins It was like, get this thing cinched up so that it can support your lower back. Okay, so before we go any further, I just, do you understand the belt? This belt was there to hold everything else together. This belt was something that if you don't get the belt right, everything else is going to be thrown off. This belt, this girdle, if you will, was the thing that connected it all and helped build the foundation for everything. Thing else to even connect into. Okay, Scott, we've got it. Keep moving. All right. The belt. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It's not just a belt. It's a belt of... Oh. Okay. The belt of truth. Bible. Do a Bible study in your head right now. Don't yell it out. But can you think right now? Truth, 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 truth. A belt of truth. Truth, truth, truth. What could this be talking about, truth, truth? Well, Scott, we shouldn't lie. It's one of the Ten Commandments. So eh, it could be, but um, there's something deeper than that. Belt of truth, truth, truth. Well, let me just jump. In fact, even before we get there, let me tell you, this might help you out. Let me give you the Greek word for truth. <clears throat> aletheia. Aletheia. Where else do we find this word aletheia? The Greek word, the, the original language of the New Testament was Greek. And, and so the Greek word aletheia, for, it was truth, Aletheia, where else do we find that? Well, let's just jump right to it. John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Ooh. Put on the belt of truth. The foundation of everything else. If you really are serious about fighting the enemy and fighting the battle, Jesus has to be at the foundation. Do you see that? Do you get that? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added. Put Jesus first in your finances. Put Jesus first in your marriage. Put Jesus first in all your relationships, your friendships, everything. Jesus, you're first in this, in your life. You put Christ first. You put him at the foundation. He's the one that connects everything else. If you get that one off, then much of what else you're doing just turns into trying to, to, to look good. You're trying to do your best to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Well, where's that righteousness coming from? Well, I'm just doing my best. No, 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 no. If you put the belt on first, geez, that breastplate of righteousness, the right, your righteousness is as filthy rags. Jesus is the one who makes you righteous. Well, I'm just trying to be peace. I'm trying to be a peacemaker. I'm trying to be a peacemaker. I got the feet shot with the gospel of peace. I'm everywhere I go. I'm just trying to bring peace, trying to bring peace. Well, what, how, what's your authority? On what authority are you a peacemaker? Well, I'm just a good person. I try to be nice to everybody and help old ladies cross the street, and I'm just good. I'm just a good person overall. So, no. Jesus at the foundation of who you are. You put Jesus on first, and out of that, then you walk in peace. And everywhere you go, you're a peacemaker because you bring the love and the light and the joy and the peace of Jesus Christ into the room, into the boardroom, into the business, wherever it is you go. Do you get what I'm saying? It starts with Jesus. Now, the idea of putting Jesus at your core is enough. In fact, right now, we could probably say, amen, great message. Let's sing that final song and get us out of here, Pastor. I want to go just a little bit further, though. Just a little bit further. Because when you look at Jesus, just think about the name of Jesus. What are all the different things that he's called? He's called the, the Lamb of God, the Messiah. Um, I mean, you just go on and on and on, all, all the different things that he's called. And he's called truth, Aletheia, truth. He's called truth. But let's, let's remember somewhere else. Another word that he's called is in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has, has, that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Who's he talking about? Ah, jump to verse 14, and you'll see. Look at the screen. The Word became flesh. He's talking about Jesus. And made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So you add all the names of Jesus. Jesus is, is all these things. He's truth and he's the word. And so let's take this just a little bit further, can we? Let's, let's, let's put the belt of truth on. Let's put Jesus on. Let's put his grace, his mercy. And let's put... Let's put the Word of God. You cannot separate the Word of God and Jesus. When you see the life of Jesus, what you see is the Word of God lived out. He is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, it says. Placing the belt of truth around your waist means you're putting Jesus and the truth of the Word of God, the logos of God, at the core of who you are. That's the absolute key. Let me ask you something. What is at the core of who you are? I mean, really, what is at the core of who you are? 
What is the filter or the driving force that's behind everything you do? The way you spend your money, your time, your giftings, your talent. Let's go a little bit deeper. What informs the way you think about things? What is your starting point for the way you view gender identity? Is it what everyone else says? Or is it what the Word of God says? Or what about marriage? Or what about probably the most important, what about the afterlife? I mean, what, what do you really, really, really believe about the afterlife? What informs that for you? Or how about this one, the critical race theory? Because there's a lot of talk about that right now all over our culture, even in our schools, like critical race theory. How, what are you going to believe about that? What politicians or what the news or what a, a, a teacher, whoever said, or what the Word of God says about that? Because we can sit in a classroom and hear a motivational speaker, or we can sit in a classroom and hear someone who's a very gifted teacher make points about all these things and begin to think, well, wait a minute, maybe he's got a point. Maybe she's got a point there. But it's a whole other thing to process everything you hear or discuss through the lens of Scripture. Because I'll tell you what begins to happen. If as parents, if we aren't teaching our kids to regularly put on that belt and that girdle, it's going to start falling off. And it's going to hang down on one side. And one day they're going to be in class be it high school, middle school, college, whatever, and they're going to hear something and be like, well, yeah, that, well, that, well, that makes, okay. Well, that's different than what I was taught. As, but, you know, I still believe in Jesus. I still believe Jesus is the way. But, you know, when it comes to that right there, I've got a little different belief about that. I've got a little different. And all of a sudden, we've opened up an inch, given an inch, we've opened up a little door for the enemy to bring false teaching, false truth into our kids' lives. So that's why, if there's anything I could tell any parent in this place, and even one in all, for all of us, this is important, but let's do everything we can to make sure our kids are putting that girdle on first. To make sure that as your husband, your wife, your friends that are believers, that you challenge one another Put that belt of truth on where everything you filter goes through the filter of the gospel, filter of the word of God. This is where we start. Oh, just real quick. I, I heard a, sometimes I, sh I just shouldn't go on Facebook. I'm just telling you. I should just stay off of Facebook. But one day I was on there this week, and there's a pastor on there blabbing all about, a pastor. And he was, he was blabbing. I love this brother, but he was just blabbing about, something and 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 you know he he was just talking about um how he has a real hard time because he believes that many christians worship the bible more than they worship jesus and i'm just telling you i don't quite know how you separate either of those because jesus is the word we just read that hello of course i didn't comment but uh but i'm just telling you i have no concern i have no concern that you're going to be so full of the bible that suddenly you're going to find yourself worshiping the Bible instead of Jesus, all right? Get into the Word. Let the Word guide you. Let the Word lead you. Because when you get into this, you're getting into Jesus. When you get into that, when you learn that, you're putting on that belt of truth. And that is the filter, not just the filter, it's the lead, the, the lead ship. I'm following Jesus. I'm going the direction He's going. Let me just real quick toss this out. You've got notes in the back of the seats. Grab those real quick. 
Because I don't want you to be someone, Ephesians 4.14, who's tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Listen, there are people that are very gifted teachers and, and, and uh, professors, and they're very gifted at that, but they're just wrong according to the biblical standard, according to biblical truth. And they're going to be able to say things and argue things that they're going to be just like, and you're, you're going to stand there and be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not that good. You're smarter than I am. Okay, you must be right then. No, because our starting point is not can you, can you help me to understand this more? Can you teach me? Can you, um, can you uh, uh, twist my mind to make me agree with you? Our starting point is the word of God, a biblical worldview truth. Let's put on truth. Let's put on things like this. How about this? Let's put on the fact that there is a God. Basic Christian belief here. Christian worldview. There is a God. How do we know this? Well, of course the word declares it, but culture, excuse me, nature declares it. I mean, just think about that. Did did spring and summer and fall in winter, some would throw autumn in there with fall. I don't know how that works. But spring and summer and fall autumn and, 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 and winter and spring and summer and fall. Did anyone have to go out there? Did, did all the horticulturalists and, and all the people in, in, in charge of our country's government, did they suddenly say, and now it shall be springtime? No, it happens. Somebody put that in order. Somebody started that up there. How about this one? Uh, Science is often used to try to prove that there is no God. But here's the truth. The problem is science is simply the discovery and use of the order that already exists in nature. Science is figuring out, oh, yeah, God already put this in order. God already set these things in order. And now science is like, oh, we just learned about that. Oh, yeah, we just learned about, oh, yeah, we just learned. These are all things that God put in order. There is a God. Are your kids getting that? Are are those other friends and believers that are around you, are, are you challenging one another to believe in this, that there is a real God? I can't, I can't spend any more time on this. I'm just going to toss these out. In fact, there, there's a good chance in May that our student ministry is going to go through some of these. So I really hope your students are involved in our student ministry at any time, but particularly in May. But the second thing, let me just, just toss this out to you. The second, second thought, God reveals himself to us through his word. Fill that in, will you? When I'm putting that belt of truth on, when I'm putting my belt of truth, Jesus, he's, he's the word. When I'm putting that on, what I'm saying is that I believe that God is revealing reveals himself to me through through his word. How do we know the Bible's historically accurate, Scott? If I'm thinking Christian worldview, looking at things from a biblical worldview, well, how do I know the Bible is accurate? Well, let me just tell you one of the greatest tests ever in history is eyewitness accounts. Were you there? Did you see it? Okay, let's talk. A historian would say, is this written down by somebody who saw it, or is it secondhand or thirdhand, or is it a legend written down a hundred years later? I got good news for you. The Bible is primarily eyewitness accounts. That's why it's good history. Moses was there when the Red Sea split. Hold on, buckle up. Joshua was there when the walls of Jericho fell. The disciples of Jesus sat in the upper room, and they saw the resurrected Jesus appear, and then they wrote down what happened. 
and we read about it. Matthew was there. He wrote it down. John was there. He wrote it down. Peter was there, and he told a good buddy named Mark who wrote it down and gave us the Gospel of Mark. Luke was there. Luke talked to them. We just finished up three and a half, four years in the book of Luke. Luke talked to them. He went around, interviewed them. Mary, the mother of Jesus, others, you were there. Tell me. I want to record what that looked like for you. Furthermore, it's been one th- it would be one thing if, if one person wrote the whole book of the Bible, right? Uh, the whole Bible. The Quran was written by one person, Muhammad, right? The Analects of Confucius were written by Confucius. The writings of Buddha are written by Buddha. And you would expect that all to be uniform because the same person is writing it all. Listen to this. The Bible was written by 40 different people in every age, stage of life, on three different continents and three different languages over 1,600 years, and they all got the same story. The book was written by prophets and poets, written by princes and kings. It was written by sailors and soldiers and fishermen. The book was written by attorneys and doctors and an MD. It's written by kings. It's written by prisoners. It's written by common people, by prophets. All kinds of people wrote the Bible, and it was written all kinds of locations. Some of the Bible was written in a cave. Some of the Bible was written on a ship. Some of it was written in homes. Some of it was written in palaces. Some of it was written in prisons, and they all came up with one main theme. Jesus Christ, he's our redeemer. He's the one deserving of all praise and of all glory. All of it. All of it. All of it. That's the word of God. Are we, are we teaching our kids this? Are we helping our kids understand? Listen, I'm just telling you, these are things that no one ever taught me because I just, you just kind of knew them. I'm not saying right or wrong, and I'm not saying it was, it was bad. Probably should have done a better job of that, but I just picked it up. My parents were, were it was a different society, even back in the 70s and 80s. I mean, and, and are we ever going to go back to that? I don't know. But I'm just telling you, from my parents, from church, and friends that were Christian, I just kind of picked this stuff up. But your kids are not going to pick this stuff up. We have got to make sure that we are sending them out, that one another, we are sending one another out with that belt of truth. This is what we believe. I'd like to spend more time here, but I can't. Third thing, fill this in. This is a Christian worldview. You are created in his image. All people are. We are not animals. We, we are not descending from apes. In Genesis, God specifically gives humans responsibility to care for animals, and he distinguishes in creation of animals and people. I love Georgie the dog. I love her. Gave her a hug last evening, just last evening. I petted her. It's our golden retriever. Need a little stress relief, nothing like that to pet the dog, right? But, but she's a dog. She's not a person. Now, I'm not going to pick on some of you because some of you, you like animals a little more than I do. But here's, here's the deal. Let's make sure we keep that separate, though. We were given authority to rule over animals. Genesis 1:26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. and the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. There's another thing. Male and female are the only divisions between people that God recognizes. I'm just going to say it. He does not divide by skin color. 
He does not divide by race. He doesn't divide by homosexuality or transgender him because they are not in his image. Now, let me stop just for a second. I want you to hear me clearly. I'm not saying that the enemy, the devil, hasn't tempted many in our community, in our schools, in our nation to think differently on that. And that he's tempted you to think that I, I know everyone said I'm a boy my whole life, but maybe I'm not. Or I know that they said I'm a girl my whole life, but maybe I'm not. I'm not saying that it's not real, the temptation you're feeling. I'm just telling you, that's not from God, and that's not from the Word of God. Are we teaching our kids, this is where you pull that from. God created male and female, only those two. We are not God. We are not powerful enough to re redefine the image He has created. We can, we can say we've de we redefined it, but really, we've only renamed or called what is good evil instead we got to keep moving. Fourth thing, fill this in, will you? I'm just talking Christian worldview. I'm talking put the belt of truth on, the word of God, the logos of God. Put that on, the truth of God. You put that on at the very core before you get in any other armor. The base of the foundation has got to be the truth of Jesus Christ. Here's the fourth thing I'd throw out to you is you are eternal. This is not an exhaustive list, but just some thoughts of what it, what it is to have a Christian worldview that God, Jesus, is the Word, and I want my life to show that. I, I want my life to be built on Him and His Word. God cares more about your eternity than your temporary life here on earth. And let me just prove that to you just real, real quick. Can you remember those times when Jesus healed someone? It wasn't just about the healing. He'd say, now go and sin no more. Or he, he did a miracle for someone. He set someone free from being stoned to death, whatever it was. He did a miracle. He said, now go and sin no more. He'd talk, now go and get your life straight. Um, you, you get what I'm saying? You read the Gospels. You see, Jesus wasn't just worried about the felt need. He was worried about their soul. And we ought to be as well. It's not just about the here and now. We will give an account to God one day for how we lived, whether we obeyed him or not. Did we order our lives just like everybody else, or did we order them based on his ways? I could spend weeks just on all these topics, but let me just, let me just close it up. In fact, worship team, would you come? I say everything I'm, I'm saying today because there is truth. There is truth. There is the word of God. Jesus is the word. I mean, just wrap your brain around that. I don't, I don't say this to make all you parents nervous because I know what you're like. Me too. How can I? Uh, some, some of you parents are like, how can, I want to make sure I, I do this. I'm so freaked out right now. I want to make sure I, I teach my kids. I, listen, we're, we're, we're here to help you as a church. Ultimately, we, we want to help you as parents to disciple your kids. Jump in with what we're doing here at the church, and your kids will be headed this direction. But the the, the majority of what your kids are going to follow and do is going to be what you talk to them about or lead them in. The second thing is some of you might be like, Scott, we didn't do a good enough job. Scott, I just feel you're feeling guilt. You're feeling, let me just tell you, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the enemy. That's the devil. And if you're receiving guilt or feeling guilty because maybe your kids didn't follow Christ like what you were hoping and whatever, you think I could have done a better job. Listen, every one of us, I'm just guessing Mary, the mother of Jesus, at one point thought, oh, I should have done a better job there. Well, maybe not Mary, but, um, but every parent at some point, come on, am I right? Loosen up a little. Every parent at some point thinks back, I should have done a better job at that. You're not going to be perfect. None of us are perfect. Megan and I are not perfect. 
But the fact of the matter is, there's no time like today, like right now, to point your kids to truth to Jesus. And if we want to be prepared to take on the battle of our day, spiritual battle of our day, we've got to start with that belt of truth. The, the Aletheia, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the word of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to base everything I think do, it's all on the word of God. You got it? Oh, I got one more illustration, but I think you got it already and time's getting away from us. Would you stand with me? I see you. Thank you for staying with me. I see your heart as you're, as you're listening to this message. I see your eyes. I can see it in your eyes, Mom, Dad. I can see it in your eyes, folks. You're like, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, want, I want my family and our lives to be based on the Word of God. I want the truth. I want the belt of truth for every one of my kids, and my wife, my husband, my, my friends. I want every Christian believer that I know to think this way. Well, let's just let's start with us. Let's start with yourself. Focus on yourself right now. It's like when, the, when they're going all those things, when you're going on a flight, and they're like, this is how you buckle a seatbelt, because I'm sure you've never buckled a seatbelt before. And, and if, in fact, for some reason, the cabin we lose cabin pressure and the, the masks drop down, mom, dad, make sure you put yours on first and then on your children. Well, can, mom, dad, can I just encourage you right now? Right now, I'm just giving you permission. Be selfish right now. And let's pray and say, Lord, I want to put the belt of truth on. Lord, I don't know all the Bible. I don't understand it all, but this is what I do know is I want a life that's completely 100% built on the Word of God and on Jesus. And, and if, start with yourself today.